بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم لا حول ولا قوت الا بالله الذي العظیم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى الطيبين الطاهرين اللهم اخرجني من ظلمات الرحم واكرمني بنور الفهم اللهم افتح علينا ابواب رحمتك وانشر علينا خزائن عبودك we continue our discussion with Unit 3 of Islamic Belief System. As you know, this unit is about knowing man, about anthropology. We studied different arguments for immateriality of the soul in the last session. And then we reached the discussion about evolution. Uh, you were also shown a scientific documentary about the theory of evolution and the theory of creationism. So now we continue the discussion with the book. You know that Charles Darwin is the one who introduced the idea of evolution. And of course, before him, there were some discussions and some types of uh, ideas of whether different types of animals are fixed or there is transformation between them. But he was the one who uh, developed the theory of evolution maybe in a more uh, comprehensive way. His idea was that human beings are results of some evolution in some apes and then this was expanded also to other types of animals. So the idea was that in the beginning, there was only very simple one-cell living beings, and they developed and through evolution, we reached the point that we have now human beings. So prior to that, the idea was that human beings are essentially different from animals. We are different from monkeys, for example. But after the theory of evolution, the idea is that we are not substantially different. We are coming from the same origin. We have gone through some more changes than others. Of course, Darwin himself was a believer. He was not an atheist was a believer but some people they took this to say we don't need even to have God unlike Darwin himself because one argument of course they thought that is the only argument but we said there are many arguments but one argument is argument from design which we discussed in last unit the argument from design or Burhan al was based on the 
idea of finding sophisticated form of order in the world and we said that those sophisticated forms of order cannot be result of accident there must be an intelligent designer yes so these people said if we accept evolution then we don't need to have a designer so this order this purposefulness this uh, connectedness you know you remember we had three dimensions for Burhan and Nas. all those three dimensions are result of evolution so there is Nazm, there is order but not no Nazm no one who brings Nazm but as I said Darwin himself didn't have this idea he was a very religious person actually there was a time that before this you know he was going to become a priest so this is what some people tried to do with the theory of Darwin. Even <clears throat> some people have taken this to other disciplines. For example, there are people who are in the field of ethics developing a kind of theory of ethics based on evolution. For example, they say that like nature, where only the strong and the fittest can survive. In human society also, only the strongest should survive. You shouldn't, for example, help the poor. You shouldn't help the ill people, the disabled people, for example. Let only the strongest remain. Some people may take this to politics. Anyway, this is the whole idea. What is our position about the theory of evolution? First of all, we have no problem with the theory of evolution if it is proved to be scientifically a true one, a valid one. This is if, inshallah, we talk about this if later. But suppose if theory of evolution is correct, okay, we don't have any problem. Why? Because our arguments for the existence of God is not just one, it's not just based on design. We have different arguments, you know, we mentioned for example the argument of Wujubu Imkan, cosmological argument. We mentioned Burhan uh, Fetra, there are ontological arguments, there are different types of arguments. Even if someone says that argument from design does not work, we have other arguments. So, the theory of evolution is not proving that God does not exist. They have actually, if you remember I told you before, no one has ever been able to argue that God does not exist. The maximum is they question the arguments for the existence of God. Okay? It's not that they can argue for non-existence. This is one point. The second point is, actually even the argument from design is not affected. Ayatollah Mutahari says, if we believe in evolution, this by itself can be part of the design of this world. If 
this wall is made in the way that it has order and it can develop its own order. This becomes actually better for our purpose. You know, if I see a car, I say there must be a person who designed this car. It's too sophisticated, too complicated to be the result of just accident. But why if there is a car that has been able to develop itself, then I should think, okay, now because it has developed itself, it doesn't need a designer. Actually, a car that can develop itself needs more sophistication in its design. The world could have remained as it was or could have gone to many wrong directions. Why it has evolved? Especially if you know that the changes that take place, if those changes would not lead to a certain level of being fittest or being, you know, strongest, they are useless. You know, Sean, imagine if, for example, uh, some people say, for example, the ducks, you know, the ducks, they have something that, uh, like a screen, I don't know, is it a special term for it in English? Uh, for, in like, a, it's like a, in a special skin, in the feet of the ducks, that helps them for swimming. Yes. So, you know what I am Yes. So, for example, that transformation, that evolution, so they say in the beginning they didn't have anything like this. They were like, you know, for example, chicken. Then it went. That change in order to reach the point that can help them has to complete. It's not that, for example, if it's a little, it can help. It has to complete. Why it has gone through a process of completion if it was just by chance? It seems that there was a pressure for evolution, a pressure for development, a pressure for improvement, which can come from a designer. Or for example, you know, imagine our eyes. Our eyes cannot function if little changes happen to our eye. How this perfection can be a result of evolution? It is not, you know, if it, because it was a gradual process, you could say, okay, little by little it improved. Like a person that, for example, who wants to learn a language, picks up the words one by one and gradually speaks. But for this type of changes, it's not gradual process because before reaching certain level of completion, it doesn't work. It doesn't help. It's useless. Another thing that, for example, uh, inshallah we will mention later is that even scientifically there are 
problem with this theory. And you saw some of it <coughs> in the field. But for the time being, we say, suppose this is okay. This can be part of the design created by God. God has created this world in the way that can evolve and can develop. So we have no problem with the argument that the evolutionists want to put forward. You may say, what about the scripture? Because for, for example, people who believe in the Bible, evolution seems to be incorrect. Especially if you follow the chronological uh, explanation of the events from the time of Adam up to now. Islamically, we don't have any fixed period. But in the biblical sources, it is clear that how many years has been between, for example, Adam and Jesus. It's maybe 6,000 years, something like this. So what about the scripture? We say, according to the Quran, even if evolution is accepted, there is no problem. <coughs> Actually, some of the Muslim scholars have written books to interpret the Quran in the way that can fit into the theory of evolution. For example, Ayatollah Mishkini, who passed away a few years ago, he has a book about evolution in the Quran, and he tried to say that one reading, one interpretation of the Quranic verses about creation is compatible with evolution. Uh, there was a scientist also who passed away a few years ago, Dr. Yadullah Sahabi. He has a very uh, detailed book, Khilqat Insan, Creation of Man, where he brings also scientific discussion along with the Quranic discussion to show that Quran is compatible with evolution. Yadullah Sahabi, and the book is Khilqat Insan, Creation of Man. So there are some people who think that Quran is uh, compatible with evolution. But some scholars like Allama Tabatabai and some of our contemporary scholars, they believe that the Quran is suggesting that at least, this at least is very important, at least this generation or this line of human beings that we belong to is result of direct creation of Adam and Eve by God. Something similar to the Bible. Of course, we don't have that limit in time. We don't know how many years is between us and Adam. But we are all children of Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve are not result of evolution. Some, some people, as I said, some Muslim scholars say, no, we can say from the Quran, Adam and Eve were result of evolution. So they had parents, and their parents had parents. And if you go further, you reach monkeys. We say that 
from the Quran we realize that at least this line ends with Adam and Eve maybe there were other human beings before Adam we don't have any problem actually we have a hadith from Imam Sadiq it says before this Adam there were many other Adams okay so don't be surprised if you hear for example they found some remaining for example uh, parts of a human being existed one million years ago we don't have any problem what we believe according to the best of our understanding because as i said quran can be interpreted in another way quran is not explicit here what we believe according to our understanding is that Adam السلام, was not created through parents and we have some evidence for it one is this verse and I think this verse is very clear in my understanding you know the Christians of Najran went to Medina to discuss with the Prophet, the story of Mubahala, all this thing. One of the discussions they had was about whether Jesus is son of God. And they used to say that Jesus is a son of God because he has no father. Okay? Then this ayah was revealed. I'll give you now the also reference. It's ayah 59 of Surah Al Imran. Inna mathala Isa inda Allah kamathala Adam khalaqahu min turab thumma qala lahu kun fayakun. Please uh, be careful about the way ayah is explained. The example of Jesus is like the example of Adam. God created Adam from soil and said, be, and then there it was. Okay. How this argument can work to refute the idea of Jesus being son of God? This can only work if we believe Adam was not born from clay, but through a process of parents and for parents and for parents. Yes? Because it says, If Adam had parents, okay, so then Adam was like us. This cannot refute the idea of those who say Jesus is son of God because he has no father. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to them that Jesus had no father. Okay. Adam also had no father and no mother. God created him from clay. Is it clear? Or the other ayah that we have is Bada al insan. This is 
this is also in Surah Sajda, which is chapter 32, verse 7 and 8. He is the one who made everything that he created good. Allah started the creation of man from the clay. Then made the progeny of man through water of, you know, like a sperm or zygote. So, if Adam was also from parents so why Allah says started the creation of man from the clay and then the progeny through a sperm so it seems to us clear that Adam السلام, had no parents whether it be human beings or monkeys Adam السلام, was directly created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also, you know, there are verses, for example, Allah says to the angels that I'm going to create a man from dried clay. When I complete the creation of man, like the, you know, like a statue from the clay and then blow into it, then you should do sajda. So, it seems very, very plausible to suggest that Quran is telling us that Adam was created directly. But before this Adam, there could be many other human beings, as we actually have it in Hadith. We don't have any problem with that. So, even if theory of evolution is accepted, even if it's accepted, it does not imply that we are also must be all the result of Transformation of monkeys. Is it clear? The other thing is that even scientifically, so first we said it doesn't pose any problem for arguments for the existence of God. Second, we said it doesn't pose any threat to the Quran. Third is now to see what does it imply scientifically. Scientists believe that there are some evidence for evolution. But to generalize it and say that every types of animals and plants that we have are all results of evolution, this is not scientific. It's not proved. Especially when it comes from one species to the other. One of the things that Darwin and his followers used to say is that we would be able to find fossils, so fossils, yeah? Fossils of those, for example, animals who were in between. For example, you have monkeys and then, for example, uh, apes and then human beings, but there must be many things in between. Or for example, I don't know, between for example, fish and for example, uh, other for example types of like crocodile and all. All must be something connected. 
They said gradually you will find these fossils. But they were not found. These in, in between were not found. Or some people, for example, in Dearborn, some scientists, they made some studies and they found that actually in some types of apes that they claim they have the same ancestor as human beings, in those apes there have been more ch genetic changes than human beings. So why they have been through more changes and more evolution, they have not become human beings. So scientifically, it's something that is not as really uh, valid as some people who speak about God and theology think. It is an idea, it's a hypothesis, it has some evidence in favor of it, also it has some evidence against it, but for sure it should not be generalized and be extended to all people. The next discussion that we have is about what is the humanity. What are the criteria for being a human? This is a very important discussion. Even today in bioethics, uh, we discuss a lot about this personhood. What is personhood? It has lots of implications. For example, is an embryo a, a person or not? For those who are, for example, mad and they don't have you know intellectual you know capacity are they people or they're not people so all the moral responsibilities that we have towards people do we have towards imperials or mad people and things like this it's a very important discussion if you remember when we were discussing about fetra we said human beings have two major differences with animals One is in their way of understanding, and the other is in their desires and inclinations. For animals, and we say animals because animals have more similarity with human beings than plants and than non-living beings. So we are trying to see the most developed form of being other than human beings, which are animals, what they share and what they differ. Animals have some understanding, but their understanding is, first of all, about the particulars, not universals. Do you remember what example I gave you about animals having no universal knowledge? I said, for example, if there is a cat, when this cat sees a mouse, this particular mouse, that is an instance of mouse, would trigger the cat who is hungry to go after it. So you cannot say cat does not have any understanding. Cat is not like a statue. Cat understands 
that this is a good food, for example. Okay? Goes after it. But does this cat have some knowledge or understanding of mice in general? Have they have a kind of science of mosology, for example? That over years, thinking cats developed lots of you know scientific ideas, and they did research, and you know they put you know ideas together. That this is the way, you know, they are living. This is the way we can you know attack them. This is the way, for example, we can find which one is delish, more delicious. They don't have these type of things. They just see a mouse, and instinctively. They go after it. Okay? Or for example, birds, they make their nests. But if you ask a bird, you know, say, please, you know, I want to ask you a few questions. How you birds design and construct? What are the methods? What are the principles? How do you make the calculations? He says, I don't know any of these things. I just know that I should put this. I don't know, uh, for example, uh, wood here and, you know, this soil here and like this. I don't know anything about these things in a universal way, in a general way. So the knowledge is juz'i, not kulli, as we say in logic. Is it clear? And this is why they are not changing. A bird can make the nest today as they used to make a few thousand years ago. But human beings have the potential of reflecting and developing sciences. You know, if, if you imagine just for example about cooking, you know how much human beings have spent time on cooking? It's not that they just you know, found you know, some vegetables in their nature and they ate, ate it. There are thousands of books on cooking. Yeah? Different nations have different styles of cooking. Even you know, the same dish, different people cook it differently. It's always possible to reflect and come up with new ideas. So one of the differences between us and animals is that we have the ability to have understanding of the universals and therefore develop sciences. Also, we have the, uh, the ability to <clears throat> go beyond the moment. Have you ever seen a cat thinking about its future? They don't think about the future. Or they don't regret over the past. <laughs> Last year there was a nice mouse, I missed it. <laughs> they, they, know, they don't regret about the past. They don't have worry or plan for future. They just think about the moment. To some extent, of course, this is good because sometimes we worry too much about future or we regret too much about the past. But we shouldn't totally be forgetting the future and the past. If it gives you 
better direction and more energy to move forward, it's good to think about future and past. But if it's making you depressed, this is not a good way of thinking. Anyway, they are very concerned about the current moment, the current time, the current situation, the current place. Everything for them is particular. This is about their knowledge. About their desires and inclinations also is the same. First of all, the desires is for material things. It's not that, for example, a cat says that I want to do some charity work for the poor cats in the world. The cats who have no access to food, the cats who are mistreated by their owners. They don't have these types of desires. So everything is material, everything is particular, everything is about the current situation, about the current place. But human beings are different. When it comes to our knowledge, there is no limit of space or time or subject. When it comes to our desire, we can have desire for absolute things. Not only we have those desires that we share with the animals, but we have desires that are for absolute qualities. For example, desire for knowledge. Any knowledge. Anywhere. I love to know. Yeah, as a human being, we have this curiosity. We love. Or beauty. It's not my beauty or beauty now. I like to think of beauty in future, beauty of another places. Yes? Imagine if someone says, there is a beautiful garden in another part of the world, and I'm not uh, I'm aware, I know that I'm not going to be there. But it brings joy to my heart when I know that there is such a beautiful garden in another part of the world. Because we love beauty, goodness. Some people are kind with each other. Just to hear this makes us happy. So it means that we have interests. And we have desires and inclinations towards beauty, knowledge, goodness, kindness, in their absolute sense. So, human beings are different from animals. And as I think I mentioned this before, but I'm not sure because I have different classes. I don't know if in your class I discussed this idea that... What is human life? And we said human life is the life in which those things which are human, those things which are exclusive to human beings, are the focus. We share certain things with animals, no problem. You should eat, you should drink, no problem. You should have shelter, housing, no problem. But if our life is built around these things that we share with animals, then our life is animal life. If our life is built around those things that we have and animals don't have, those exclusive things that we have. If life is built on that, then this is human life. I don't know whether we talked about this. We talked about it. Okay. So this is then human life. Now, how are we able to achieve the real sense of humanity? to have human life. One of the things is to 
cultivate our rational capacity aql aql is very important even when it comes to sending prophets Amir al-Mu'min al says one of the reasons for sending prophets by God is One of the tasks of the prophet is to bring out the treasures of apple of intellect which are buried to dig out those you know in the past they used to hide and bury treasures cans yeah inside the soil so that they would be safe our apple unfortunately is buried under the soil of superstitious ideas false assumptions and Bia have come to help us to dig into ourselves and bring out and release that hidden treasure of aql. Quran is always telling us to use our reason, to think, to ponder, to reflect. So this is a very important part of human life. A life of thinking, a life of reflecting, studying, discussing, and the other aspect is our fetrah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given in every human being a way to understand what is good, what is bad, to discern between good and bad, between right and wrong. Every human being is born with that innate knowledge of good and God. Every human being. No matter whether they are born into a Muslim family or non-Muslim family, believer family or family of unbelievers, every human being by nature is pure. Every human being by nature is innocent. Every human being by nature has the potential of being good. We are not distorted in our nature. We are not affected by the scene of Adam and Eve. We are all pure in our creation. The next discussion is about value of human beings and then inshallah about dignity of human beings. You know in the 20th century especially after two world wars people started thinking seriously about human rights, human dignity, United Nations Charter of Rights is a very important internationally recognized document for human rights. Many people work for 
human rights in different parts of the world, whether it be NGOs, I don't know, international institutions. But unfortunately, still there are issues. One is that there is no universal understanding of what are human rights and which ones are more important and how to preserve them and protect them when there are unjust individuals or systems or governments that have no regard for humanity or when there are forces that humiliate human beings and damage their honor and dignity without being recognized. You know how much consumerism is affecting human dignity, how much suffering and humiliation have been caused for many people in the world because of the pressure of materialism and you know consumerism when they are not able to afford to buy what the machine of the you know, advertisement is putting in the mind. Anyway, discussion is going on about human rights. What is our understanding? We believe that, as I said, every human child is dignified. Every human person, regardless of their race and gender and age, they are dignified by God. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, لَقَدْ كَرَّمْنَا بَنِي Adam." We have given honor and dignity to all children of Adam. But, in addition to this God-gifted dignity, there is also acquired dignity. So there is something that every human being has been given, something free that you are given at the beginning. But then you can try to add to your dignity by having virtuous life, by having piety, taqwa, your honor increases. The most honorable of you in the sight of Allah are those who are more pious. So, although we have honored children of Adam, but those who are more pious, they are more honored. So, no one is more honored because of the color of the skin or because of the race because of gender, because of belonging to a tribe? No. But people can be more honored if they have virtues, especially taqwa as a comprehensive uh, condition of heart and also in knowledge. Those who have knowledge also, of course, with certain you know, understanding of knowledge, they have also more honor. 
وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين